0: Commercial Property with Rethink Investing, Australia's largest and most comprehensive podcast covering all things commercial investing.
1: Well, good everyone, hey you going? It's Phil Tarrant here. Thanks for joining us on Inside Commercial Property with Rethink Investing. Rethink Investing, who's Rethink Investing? Everyone wants to know. Well, I know. I've got a book sitting in front of me here. I do love a property book. I've been known to like property books. Unfortunately, or well, thankfully, um, there's a lot out there, but um, not a lot in the commercial space. So, in my hot little hands, here is uh, a book recently published. I'm told it's the I've been given the first copy, so I feel quite special. Maybe that's just trying to make me feel good, and I who knows? But uh, it's called Rethink Property Investing: Become Financially Free with Commercial Property Investing, and uh, it's by Scott O'Neill and uh, his partner, wife Mina O'Neill. Can I got that right. I'm getting nods here. Uh, this will be part of uh, Inside Commercial Property where we have a look at how you can go about building wealth through uh, commercial property. Most people kick off resi if they're investing in property and then moving to commercial. Some people will just focus on commercial, but I think what we have here is a book which probably goes through all of it. I haven't looked at it yet. I've read the table of contents and I just wanted to pick through it today in his podcast to quiz Scott on some of the lessons that he gives through 200 odd pages here.
0: Scott, how are you, mate? Very good. Thank you, your, mate. Is this your first book? first and probably last <laughs> i don't know it's a bit of an effort
1: <laughs> they reckon um everyone has a good book in them at some point in their life and i know a lot of people chase the dream at of some point writing a book so you've got it here you are and you're not yet 40 years old i don't yeah. know how old you are you're not yet 40 are you no, no, no.
0: no. Yeah, yet, pretty cool mate. yeah so um yeah just i remember Years ago, when I was sort of at that bridge, do I go into more residential? We had quite a few at the time, but the yields were getting quite low, and banks were starting to sort of close the door on us a little bit. And you know, I just wanted to build an income out of property, so that was the goal. And um, I tried to learn more about commercial. It was so hard; like there was barely an article on it. There was a lot of stuff in the US, you know, and I was reading US articles about you know multi-family type sites and all this stuff that really isn't that relevant to Australia and it was painful to be honest and I, I remember I was researching for about 18 months before buying a commercial property so that always stuck with me I thought you know if there was a good book out there that summarized it quite well that's what I uh, always thought we'll do one day and uh here it is here it is well
1: it looks nice feels good uh, you haven't scrimped on the uh on the uh the printing of it looks like you spent a few bucks on making this all right Wiley publisher is pretty fancy international publisher they're banging down the door. There's no one doing this, right? Really, in Australia, the whole commercial property
0: no. focus. Yeah, and look, the good thing with like Wiley is they they will put the book in overseas channels. So mm. you know, doesn't mean people are going to find it easy to buy in Australia. It is quite difficult if you're an overseas resident. But um, yeah, it's just I just like the idea of getting it out there. It's just a you know different experience. Probably, like I said, probably won't do it again. But you know, it's a very thorough book. It covers all the basics you need to know about commercial property and mm. sort of highlights Mina and I's transition from residential to commercial which should resonate with a lot because yeah. there are some um commercial books out there but they're not real they're just talking about you know all the the summary of you know what different asset classes and you know you get that from this podcast but um we sort of try humanize it a little bit but yeah it does have all the nuts and bolts in it that you okay. need
1: Well I look forward to it. it's reading and and there's a there's a section in this Scott, that I want to get into today, which is sort of probably the tactical part of it, part three, which is our top five probably plays. So we'll go through them as part of the show. Did you find it look quite cathartic writing it or did it just become a chore eventually?
0: Oh, uh, it was it was tough because like I'm quite time poor with mm. running a business and it would literally would be just at night, very late, you know, mm. I'd probably, probably lost my 10 to 11 p.m., 11.30 p.m. every night for many nights yeah. uh, for probably... 12 18 months it was sort of little chapters here or there but the hardest bit was just trying to get it all in order you know because it's easy it's all in our head you know my wife wrote half the book as well she talks a lot about the managing of commercial properties you know her background and uh just her side of things with property as well and yeah just consolidating it in a in an easy way and Wiley was good like that like they're very pedantic type company they've got their own style of writing so I had to fit in with them as well and uh I guess uh, that's why they're a big publisher. you you know, yeah. you need to fit in with their style as much as ours. So yeah, it was tricky, but yeah, it felt like just a big uni assignment that yeah had never, no never ended never.
1: And can you go through this now knowing what bit you wrote and what bit Mina wrote?
0: Yeah, generally. Yeah. so um, but, but I can't tell, can I It's like it's a real partnership. No, exactly, and that was the the goal because you know this again, this industry is full of you know, individuals talking about how they did it mm. and at the end of the day we weren't an individual we were a partnership you know I, I met mina before i even owned one property and you know we owned all of them together and if your partner's not on board you're probably not going to be a full-time investor The partner has to be on board and we were rent investors as well you know we avoided buying the house in sydney for about 29 properties i think from memory so we bought all these investment properties before the house to live in and that was mm. hard if i had someone Sort of nagging on the shoulder to say, investing stupid, stop wasting your money, we can't see it. The result would have been very different. So yeah. it's important to look at it as a partnership, I think. So you can get this now, it's in bookstores. It is available. Uh, it's Maybe, gonna be- Nelly,
1: by the time this says? Probably, yeah. Probably. So it's okay. out in uh, early April. Okay. So- all right. Well, there we go. And just the back cover says, uh, "Make made a smart move to commercial property investing. So obviously you've got an agenda. You want, you think commercial property is better than resi properties, yes or no?
0: Right now it is, yeah.
1: Okay, I- right now it is. And that was a very diplomatic answer. <laughs> and it says, uh, property investing is so much more than what you see over your back fence. Uh, rethink property investing will revolutionise your investment strategy by opening the door to commercialise Property investment from corner stores to medical properties to warehouses, commercial property can lead to considerable financial success if you do it right. Filled with real-life experiences, practical tips and personal stories, this one-of-the-kind guide will show you the concrete strategies and techniques all the Scott Mina O'Neill used to build a commercial property portfolio, about the more than 20 million bucks, and reveal how you can achieve their success too. Whether you're an established investor or just starting out, Rethink Property Investing gives you the principles, plays and mindset you need to make your mark in commercial property investing. So go and grab it. We're going to go through some of the plays, part uh, three in this particular book today to give you a bit of an inside view, but we're just probably going to, we'll cover it off and and give you a bit of a a sense for it all, but go and get a copy. Hey, Scott, I was just um, checking us out on the, what do you call iTunes podcast player on my telephone, some of our reviews, which I just wanted to acknowledge. I'm happy to report there are two things. I'd like to see some more reviews than 41 ratings. I think we're better than that, mate. So uh, let's try and, uh, if you're out there and you're listening to this, can you do us a favour and jump on whatever player you're listening to? Most of you probably listen on the Apple stuff. Can you give us a ratings? But the good news out of the 41 ratings, all of them are five stars. So that's a good thing. Good start. And I'll just uh, read some of the, the feedback we hear heading five star. This is from BMC. Thanks. Uh, without a doubt, the most. Informative podcast available on commercial property. Keep them in coming, mate. That's obviously directed at you. It's probably all directed at you. I hope this is some. I'll mention some of these. Uh, great work, guys. Okay, there's two. So, yeah. uh, welcome back, guys. Great opening episode. To start off the year. Uh, that's from Camo. That's Camo Love with a love heart. He's your name? Thanks, Camo. Great resource. This is from Brad's three hundred and fifty. Thanks, Brad's three hundred and fifty. Very important podcast covering all things commercial property. Although I've invested in this asset class before, I learned something new with every episode. Scott is very generous with his knowledge and offers great education on the topic. No sales pitches, just quality. That's cool. Uh, another one here Best commercial property podcast. That's great. Uh, this has hit the mark. More please. Can you do it more frequently? Uh, has changed my uh, perception of this asset class. And I was, as I pivot away from residential to capitalize, I think, on a few commercial properties, expanded my mindset. So that's all good stuff. What we're doing, Scott, sounds like it's resonating, right? So I'd probably give us a tick on the objective we set out to do. It sounds like we're we're changing and, and helping frame people's investment decision, expanding outside of resi. Commercial property isn't for everyone. We've spoken about that before, but it's good to know we're doing good. Now, part three, our top five property plays on uh, new book, Rethink Property Investing, available in all good bookstops, probably online as well, Amazon, all that sort of stuff. Let's go through these, mate. I think it's a really good way for us to shape the sort of next, I don't know, half an hour or so. Play one. Okay, there's five plays. What's a play? A play is like you're channeling your uh, American football saying this is, uh, you got your playbook, which is normally a secret book that's all dog-eared and, and scraggly that's got the coach's super plays because in American football, unlike, I'm going through an analogy I know very little about, but I'm going to stick with it, unlike uh, rugby or uh, league, which is a lot more fluid, is very structured the way you play you do a play people have a particular role to play at a particular time to do a particular thing to achieve a particular outcome ie a touchdown yeah so you're channeling that that's where plays come from pretty much isn't it It,
0: exactly so one of the things that people don't do well with investing is they're they're buying because they you know they're generally seeing that's how like the market's growing or you know it's a good area to buy because it's got a train line being built like they're very loose plays you know Mm. so this is a, a play is like a direct way of achieving an outcome so our plays are you know play one how to build a hundred thousand dollar passive income now it doesn't have to be a hundred it's just a it's a starting point it's a goal that so many investors have if you can build a six-figure passive income you know you've got the option to step back from work maybe work three days a week maybe even quit and live somewhere cheap you know it's all relative but this is where a commercial is quite good because it's it's a goal to build an income quite quick play two our property can pay itself off in 10 years. So you can't do that with 70 80% debt with residential unless you're chipping in huge amounts of money yourself. So commercial property has the ability to pay itself off and that is a strategy many of my investors have, particularly when they buy in a super fund. So they might debt up and then you know they've got 10 12 odd years to pay it off and then they're retired and then they've got a debt-free commercial property. It's a direct strategy or a play. Adding value, this is play number three, adding value through commercial property leases. Everyone likes a value add. You don't need to get too tricky with this stuff. Sometimes a value add can be as simple as extending a lease or increasing the value of the lease. So we look for properties that have that value add opportunity because it's low risk. You can see it with comparable rents. We'll go into it a bit more, but it's a definite play you should consider. Play number four, check the numbers or you may overpay. Now, it sounds obvious, but... Because the value of a commercial property is so closely aligned to the income, what if you're outgoing to underestimate it? All of a sudden, you've overpaid for the property. So we'll go into that more. And play number five, syndication, pros and cons, and how you can make money out of it, why it may be lower risk or higher risk, depending Mm -hmm. on how you look at it. So again, it's a different strategy, but it's relevant to certain types of people. Did you write part three? Is this your bit?
1: Yep. Okay. All right. So you know it. You got you've done your homework. Yes, you've done your homework. Yep. So this goes back to so you know this analogy of a play. Most people have a playbook, right? And you go, "Here's our playbook. What does it mean? This is the way we go about doing stuff here to achieve the outcome." Now, in property investment, particularly with the commercial, most people's outcome is having more money in a real simple way, right? They have more money, and then to do insert whatever you want to do with it, right? So, so a lot of these plays are, are very much driven or directed towards achieving that outcome, helping giving people the scaffold or the architecture to go about being a successful property investor. So if you're not yet doing this, this is the intersection between strategy and tactics, and we've spoken about that before. Get comfortable with those terms. There's a whole bunch of stuff around it. You need to understand the difference between goal setting and goals, as in what you want to get, and then how do you actually get there. So this is really going to be working at that level plays What play are you going to use in order to achieve whatever outcome? Now, play one, how to build $100,000 passive income. I'm not going to say too much on this because people are going to have to go out and buy the book because that's all the information is, but I'll just read the first paragraph, set it up. Of all the property questions we're asked, this is by far the most popular. Middle income earners are understandably fascinated by the prospect of retiring early from the workforce and $100,000 per annum passive income is a common objective. It seems to be the magic number for many, whether they're seeking early retirement or the flexibility of the work or not to work as they choose. All right. Now, this is a lot of spreadsheets and stuff in here with percentages and that looks pretty confusing. What's the base philosophy to this play? Because it could be $100,000, it could be a million dollars, horses for courses, right? But what are you trying to achieve with this particular play?
0: So the idea is to point you in the right direction to build an income. So we've actually brought, so the numbers of this, like we brought like I always like explaining things with examples. Mm. You know, that for me is the easiest way to understand these hypothetical things. And the hypothetical scenario is how to build hundred thousand dollar passive income the most efficient way as possible. So what is passive income? Let's just cover that off. So passive income is the income after your mortgage, insurances, maintenance, everything. You're basically netting a hundred grand in your pocket which you can go spend you know so it's beer money that's exactly it's yeah. your monthly income that's going to keep you living after uh, you stop working mm-hmm. so it's very important if you don't have a passive income out of a property portfolio it, it probably isn't a retirement property you're just you know you're waiting for it to grow down the track and working while that happens mm-hmm. so once you've got that passive income you might be able to actually step back from work and that's very powerful for many you know and uh, it changes how you you view life and view your workplace and you know you might take different hobbies up uh, different types of jobs that you might prefer not just chasing the salary so it's a big thing and commercial property we use and I've actually used this example comparing it to residential where you know in the spreadsheet we've got a two million dollar property collecting 160,000 rent with a rental management cost of five percent per annum so long story short after you minus a 70% mortgage out of that and all your cost you're left with 103,000 income so you deposit on that is about six hundred thousand, all up. So you can create a hundred thousand dollar income with six hundred thousand cash deposit. I know you might say, "Oh, who's got six hundred grand in the bank?" Well, a lot of investors uh, listening to this show would have many times that equity in their portfolio, and I bet you they're probably not getting a hundred grand out of their uh, six hundred thousand investment. Mm-hmm. So it's return on equity. And if you, uh, you know, go down the typical residential model that I followed that you know, you've followed, everyone follows, you need a bit of residential. So we're not ever discounting residential. It's this is just what you add on top of it to turn it into a proper income producing portfolio. But if you go out and buy two million dollars worth of residential property and have no debt on it and you've got, you know, a four percent gross yield and then you've got all your rates and insurances and pretend you've got you bought three seven hundred thousand dollar properties, after you minus all those costs, three sets of rates, three that sets of insurances, um, rental management, you're only going to be left with 58 grand. So this is the real kind of summary of this chapter. Would you rather $2 million of debt-free property only collecting 58 grand, 1,000 income, or would you rather using your 600 and a bit of debt to produce over 100? So you can see it's multiple times better cash flow and, uh, you know, not many people have $2 million of debt-free property. That's the hardest bit. So mm. it's actually very hard to retire purely from residential. And this is what a lot of people don't – they don't think. They're always thinking, how do I buy the next property? Mm. Not many people retire from it if you do that.
1: Yeah, and it's a good point. So and I, the question I was going to ask, because you're talking about what the purchase price is, what the annual rent is. So income, annual rent, you haven't sort of got any depreciation benefits there. That depends on who you are and the way you got stuff structured. And a cost being interest and a cost being – rental management so there's no other cost to apply per your example here
0: yeah if we've commercial the tenant pays your outgoing so Mm. generally they'll pay one property holding of land tax rental management is often passed on too so that's a lot of people self manage commercial because if it's a good tenant there's really no work but let's assume you're paying someone you know there's eight grand of rental management there but all your other costs like insurance strata if applicable that's all the tenant so you're really just dealing with interest. And mm. that's the biggest difference with commercial. Like number one, the yield's better. But you don't have all those outgoings. And, you know, if I've got massive maintenance outgoings with all my residential properties and, you know, that's what eats away at your cash flow. Yeah.
1: Okay. Good lesson there. Play number two, Scott. How a property can pay itself off in ten years. All right, it's interesting. In a perfect world, you're right. We have our investment properties lined up in an easy, set-and-forget format. We'd sit back and pay them off effortlessly every month until the debt disappears. Unfortunately, this would remain a pipe dream if you haven't set up your investments the right way. Obstacles have a habit of cropping up when you least expect them, and you will need to be able to cover them. You could end up having to shell out more than you thought, and this could easily chew into your cash reserve, especially if your goal is to
0: follow us over, follow us over the fence and pay your property off in 10 years. How do you do it? So, again, it's going to be one of these hard to uh, explain things. but Read the book, sp- right? Yeah, it's <laughs> Some in graphs and charts and here. examples. Yeah. <laughs> so, we've got this uh, calculator. It's on the Rethink Investing website. It's We call it the Rethink Financial Calculator. It's just a real simple tool to show you what would happen if you buy a property for X amount of dollars with a deposit of, say, 30%. You can change the deposit percentage and uh, you put your extra purchasing costs in there. And then you put your expected net yield and rental increases in it and what this calculator does is it graphs the payback period of the property so using the example listed in this book and you can put any price in this in the calculator but we've gone with a million dollars with a 30 percent deposit so there's a seven hundred thousand dollar debt there now the income from that property seventy thousand income per annum net yield so that means you're collecting effectively 70,000 income, but you've got to minus your uh, cost off that. And using this example, you're starting off with 700 grand debt. By year 10, it's down to zero because you've had that 70,000 per annum increasing by 3% per annum. And then if you're assuming you're putting all that rent back into the loan. So this is not going to work if you're spending your rent
1: okay so this is there where you talk about passive income being the money you left over you're saying you're using that to invest back into the asset itself to pay down the debt
0: yeah so it's not a strategy that everyone follows like it's probably more of a common one for super funds mm. you know because you just want to get rid of that debt nice and quick and then by the time you retire it's debt free most people in reality will go well if i'm saving all this money per annum i'm going to save another deposit and mm. buy again because this is working that's The true outcome that most people do, but if you're uh, in your late fifties and you've got a real strict, you know, mantra to get your debt to zero, you can do it in ten years by just putting the rent back in, and you know, you'd be doing it at the same time you're still working probably because you're not living off the income. Yeah. And people feel safe with no debt. I think that is a very good thing in this market. Mm. You're mad not to have any debt because the cost of funding is so cheap and it doesn't look like it's going to go up quickly anytime soon. So. You know, it's probably a strategy for uh, those who just really need to get the debt down for whatever reason. But um, commercial property pays itself off because the income is that good. That's mm-hmm. what uh, the message is. Yeah, and
1: the tip here says the, your next moves, which is after every sort of sub-chapter here, you give some tips on what to do about it. You say pick your properties with high yields. It goes without saying that the higher the yield, the faster you can reduce your debt. Just be careful not to chase a deal solely on the basis of a high yield. This might lead to a riskier purchase. So there's always this. Relationship between yield versus capital growth, right? You know, and what, and per your graph here, you want the property. You want to be buying well, so it's going up in value. At the same time, you're driving down. You're building greater equity into it, not just off the capital growth, but also by paying down the debt. That's the secret. All right. Play number three: adding value through a commercial property lease. We've spoken about this before on Inside Commercial Property, and you can go back to some of these episodes. But this is a good little condensed part of it. This property play is about drilling deep into the lease and the type of asset that will deliver you a value add opportunity. Over the years, we've developed our own preferences and recommendations, and we're excited to share them with you because not all commercial properties are created equal. You'll find that going about it the right way, including taking account of our recommendations could mean the difference between you're getting an okay return and our outstanding one. Okay. What are your recommendations on adding value through a commercial property
0: lease, Scott? Uh, so, like I said in that intro, we like finding properties that are under-rented. It doesn't need to be a big, perfect, long lease. So, sometimes it's nice to have a lease that needs a bit of work on it because mm. you get it at a discount. You know, we've always brought up, I guess, certain types of assets we see as risky, you know, like maybe the service station on a 15-year lease and you overpay for it because how do you add value to a 15-year lease? Like, it's only going to get shorter over time. Yeah. And once it's only got three years left, you're shaking in your boots going, are oh, they going to renew? Are they going to reduce the rent? Is there a need for fuel in 15 years? Like These questions will – like you're going to lose value as you get closer to that expiry date. But if you buy a property that is not far off the expiry date and you know they're going to stay and you can kind of rejig the lease in the due diligence phase or shortly after you settle, then you're adding value. We're making it a stronger asset. So it's like a renovation for a commercial property. We're renovating the lease. That's the same analogy. And – you don't need to build things. You don't need to get too tricky or you know too cute with the property. It's literally just uh, polishing up of the lease, and you can do your background research in the due diligence phase. And we find that's a very effective way of adding value. But at the same time, you don't want to just buy a weak lease and take a risk in the. Tenant might go vacant. So you've got to be careful. There you've got to too. be careful.
1: And you've got some good case studies in here. One is an industrial site attracts 8.1% net return. Another case study, shopping center purchase for 11.8 million attracts 8.22% net return. And an office space with a secure government tenant. So some really good case studies. Veterinary center purchase for uh, 100 and um, what's that number 1.125 million yep. uh, with a 8.35 percent net return well you're not messing around with this section there's plenty of detail in there mate
0: yes yeah, so these are all client purchases and they're all within the last 12 months so they're not dated numbers like mm. there's some good numbers in there but you know they're all within the last less than 12 months
1: yeah and which is reflective of you know the market we're in right now and um you know in the your next move section always invest in properties that can be Easily relet if you are not confident you can replace your tenant within a few months and maybe the rental market underpinning your property's value isn't strong enough. It's basic stuff, but a lot of people
0: overlook it, right? Yeah, 100%. All
1: right, play number four. Check the numbers or you may overpay. Pretty important stuff. Uh, before you're ready to give up residential for commercial, you need to be sufficiently educated to identify the risk. But this is tricky when there's so much misinformation about commercial property, ready to trap the novice investor. Like any type of investing, the risks are there, but it's all about identifying them and managing them to better your chances of making profit. Goes back to Resi Scott. We all know the numbers, right? Most residential property investors have between one and two properties. Is the main reason is because not that they don't want to own more property. It's because they probably bought the wrong property first off, and it's just stifled their opportunity or their ability to invest more in property. Same applies in the commercial because no doubt people overpay.
0: Exactly, and we're seeing, oh, especially now, the market's hot, mm. and there's a bit of stupid in the market at the moment where people are just it's a lot of stupid, st- in the market stupidly market. buying things, and you know, cash offers, mm. the lowest yields we've seen. Like, you know, we even seen some buyers agents that are jumping into this space, and mm. you know, they're buying in flood zones, and you know, they're buying like really basic stuff, but. They get attracted to the clean lease, and this is probably the biggest trap, which is sort of a little bit what we discussed in that previous chapter. Yeah. They'll see a five-year lease and go, "Oh, that's great. Let's go pay 100 grand too much for it." But the lease might be baited. You know, yeah. it might be inflated by the owner. It might be a, you know, like it might literally be a tenant that won't last the five years because it's just not a strong enough business. So the lease is only as good as the business in the you know first place. So. People right now are sort of desperately trying to get into commercial as they are residential, mm. and um, because of that, we're seeing rushed buyers. And that's probably one of the biggest messages we'll always take. Just don't rush this space. Like, you know, there's too many moving parts for commercial. Like, you're not just buying into an area and getting a building and pest report. Yeah, You're buying into it. you still got to get your building and pest report, but then you've got to check the legalities of the lease. You've got to make sure the business is in an upward trajectory market. Like are there any government incentives that could hurt this business five years down the track? Are there new suppliers on the way that are going to knock this guy out? You know, like you really got to understand the business side of things too. Mm. And in a hot market, it's hard to get all that. We find it difficult. It's hard to get all the information in time to make an informed decision. Imagine you're just out on the own, you see a good property on the weekend and you see a strong lease, mm. you're just going to buy it because you've been waiting for a while and uh, that's a big mistake. It
1: must be a bit of a double-edged sword for you because you've been very active and vocal in this podcast and the other work you're doing to help educate investors to realise the opportunities with commercial property investment in lieu of other asset classes and that's really cool. But in doing that, you're providing, you're creating more people who are interested in commercial property and there's also an emergence of more buyers agents who are now focusing on commercial. So the work that you're doing is just making your job harder.
0: Of course. Yeah. And and look, it sort of happened, you know, we were in the residential space. Which is
1: space. a good thing to do, to be honest with you, yeah. but you're creating more competition. By 100%. You're manufacturing more people who want to invest in commercial property And you're creating an environment where you have more buyer's agents supporting those people.
0: Correct. And look. And you're putting a book out telling everyone about it. I think we've already created probably five or six competitors ourselves. Like, I know you see them out there, but we're not threatened. Like, there's so much work out there. Mm. But the reality is, it's not as easy as it looks. Like, you get in and you might have a client that says, I want a commercial property. And then you've got to go find the right one. And this is the trick Mm. 75% of what we buy is off market. When it's on market, it's hard. I'll admit it. There's so many buyers, you know, and it's mostly just local individuals. like we're not we're not getting beat by buyer's agents. We're getting beat by the local who's missed out on three properties in a row and he's got a cash offer. So touch wood, we've got no issues with competitors right now. but you know obviously that'll grow. but our off-market channels are so strong, we've got good control over that. Yeah. and uh, it's taken five, six, seven years to build as well. This is not. A new thing for us and the agents know us so well they tell us who's bidding on the other end mm. we know everyone in the market in certain areas and it's kind of funny because we'll always get the last shot at buyers. and you know that would happen if your mate was a you know if you're trying to buy a house in Merrickville and your mates the leading auctioneer down there or you know guy at Ray White they'll tell you who's looking around and it's the connections and that's the bit this the non rocket science part of this industry is your connections mm. if you get access to more properties Doesn't matter how much you know, that's more valuable. But
1: that's largely the hard bit to cultivate, right? Because the time, energy, effort, the whole relationship building. But the point is, you know, this play number four. Check the numbers, or you may overpay. There's more people in the market. There's more people servicing those people in the market. That means somewhere, someone's overpaying.
0: Yeah, correct. And we're seeing growth so quickly at the Mm. moment; it's almost hard to keep up. So yields are getting compressed. So you know, we're every capital city is getting compressed right now. So. The hardest part of my job is still getting a good yield for good quality property, and, and we still are, but at the end of the day, the numbers are too good versus the current interest rate, so this was naturally going to happen anyway, whether or not we're talking about it or not. There's value there for investors, mm. and uh, that'll flow through into the market, so it's still a good time to invest, it's just you've got to be still careful and uh, not get too cozy with this growth market, because if it stops growing, what then happens? what are you left over with, yeah. and that it's Good quality assets are key to that. And and in your next move sections of this particular
1: bit. Scott, it's good to see you and like it. Don't be afraid to pay for a buyer's agent. They know the market from an investor's point of view better than most. It's a little sell there, is it? Yeah. Happy to pay. It's okay. You're allowed to do it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I'd be there anyway. Now, play five. So this is sort of the last play that you've highlighted in the book. No doubt you've got a, a huge playbook, right? And that's to that point around using a buyer's agent. What you're doing is you're leveraging their capabilities around understanding how to play a particular market, particular property, any scenario based on their experience. This is part three, our top five property plays in Scott's new book, Rethink Property Investing. Well, Scott and Mina's new book. Sorry, Mina, if you're listening to this. Did Mina listen to the podcast?
0: Uh no, no, no? she uh, she's sick of it. She's bored of it. Don't worry her. about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll get her to come in one yeah, day. Yeah, definitely do that. I look forward to it. All right. So this is this is a popular bit, right? Syndication. What's in it for you? Syndication is buzzword in commercial property circles right now, and for good reason. Basically, syndication allows you to acquire a portion of a high-value commercial asset and guarantees you a split of the rental income and enables you to shoot higher than your budget would otherwise allow. Sounds good, right? So is syndication essentially leveraging you up into different type of assets, really?
0: Yeah, and in a, in a real good all tight market like this again you can actually use say a fund manager to get you into a good quality property with a lot less time and effort so syndications are pretty much just managed funds but there's different levels of them it might be just a bunch of five blokes who all know each other by you know chuck in a few hundred grand each and buy a much higher quality asset and share the profit split it five ways split the rent five ways and And the cost and that's how it's handled you can get leverage like I call it free leverage so you can get a loan on a property without you applying for the bank because the loan is on the property itself one of the disadvantages with syndications your leverage is lower so again I've got a lot of clients come to me and say oh do I go in with my brother or sister and I think it's better to go in by yourself if you can get the loan on your own because you can get like a 70% loan so Mm -hmm. To make that really simple, if you've got 500 grand cash, you can leverage and buy a $1.5 million asset. In a syndicate, you're only going to be able to leverage 50%. So, you can only control a million dollar of asset. At the end of the day, you'd rather control 1.5 million in assets versus a million. Mm. So, that's a big disadvantage. But one of the advantages are you're not just dealing with one tenant or two if you're lucky in that price point. You might be buying a portion of a shopping center that has a Woolworths in there and 10 other tenants. And All of a sudden your income is very secure so it's lower leverage less spread out there but probably a little bit more consistent in the income side of things so longer leases so that's a good thing saves time that's very important in this market where you know it's it's quite hard to locate the correct commercial property it's yeah they've generally got properties just waiting that you put your money and pull the funds and you know you can buy them on the asx you know there's Australian real estate investment trust you can buy into, and then mm. it's like buying shares of a property, it's really as simple as that,
1: yeah. And again, you know, most let's be honest if you have a retail or an industry super fund, you probably already own some commercial property,
0: yeah. So, well known names are like Goodman's or mm. Stockland's, or you know, even uh, Centre Group, like places like that are commercial property owners, yeah. you know, Westfield's, these are probably thinks you are part own without even knowing it. But a lot of people go, you know, apply to these companies direct and purchase like an exact property and you're sort of enjoying a sort of a smaller property but a larger piece of the pie.
1: Yeah. And it can get messy syndication and there is a whole layers of sophistication when it comes to syndication. Some are really super active and you need to be really involved. Some are very, very passive. But um, there's a section here setting up syndicate and this is where Things can and can't go wrong or right. Uh, find property partners who share the same goals. Pretty important. Uh, work with a highly experienced account solicitor to set up the correct structure. Really important. Uh, use your unit trusts to make an offer on a property. Make sure you allow yourself enough time to raise capital, secure the bank loan. Important. Work with a skilled mortgage broker uh, who can source the best loan for your syndicate. Really important. And uh, you know, often the best residential brokers don't necessarily also do Uh, Commercial, so make sure you get a good commercial mortgage broker, agree to distribute the funds back to the investors each month or quarter and draw up an agreement
0: on how long uh, you hold the asset. Is it hard to unravel syndications? Look- Can be? Yeah, I've been in a syndicate. I've been in a few with um, some clients and one of them we actually sold recently and it was Mm. because someone needed their money, basically. And rather than buy that portion of the buyer out, the market was hot. We sold, you know, went up 30% in two years. So- good Time to cash out, yeah. but that's the problem with some of those smaller syndicates. You've always got that unknown divorce or the unknown, you know, someone who needs their money for whatever reason. You've got to deal with that in yeah. syndications. When you buy direct by yourself, it's just you mm. and uh, you don't answer to anyone. It's that, and that is it's more attractive. But some people like the safety and numbers method, so pros and cons. I think long term, you probably want a little bit of both because it is a safer income stream potentially because mm. you're spread over more risk but uh it has its disadvantages which is the probably the leveraging and the uh lack of control are the big ones yeah
1: you need to um, put all that together so in the, your, your next move sections last point here which lends itself to that comment scott before joining syndicate, be sure to compare the returns proposed to those if you purchase the commercial property on your own in our experience direct investing can trump syndicate returns
0: Yeah, and there's a little table in there again where we just show a $200,000 investment. In a syndicate, you've got a leverage of uh, 50% and a net yield of 7%. So the direct investment, 7% net return as well. So because of that leveraging difference, once you put all the costs in there, the cash flow, everything's been watered out, you're getting a 19% return on a syndicate with a 50% debt. The direct investment will be 30% cash on cash. So always look at Return on equity, mm-hmm. and that's where you can sort of cut through these numbers.
1: Now, conscious of time, Scott, but I was going to ask you this question, but I flicked over the page into the conclusion area, and I don't want to give too much away because we want people to go out and buy this book. we just skim through it. 200 pages of gold here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was going to ask you the question, which is connecting in with these sort of five places we spoke about. Why invest now? So in big, bold writing, it's, a, it's the right question.
0: So the biggest thing for me as an investor is there's value in the market right now. So if you look at the cost of debt versus the yields on offer, the gap is too great. To give you an example, debt is looking sort of around, I don't know, 3% on average for a client, but you're buying a 7% net returning asset, hmm. even 6%. You can see that gap, 3% versus 6%. It's a 3% gap in interest. Historically, it's normally about 2%. So there's about a yield compression of a whole percent waiting for you, and that could be 20% growth depending on the the yield on the asset. Yeah. So there's genuine value there that is left to hit the market. So that, I think there will be growth because of that. So you're going to get a free kick with growth. As these residential markets peak, You know they're going nuts in Sydney and Melbourne and even Brisbane has had record auction levels, even the regional areas. They're all going crazy at the moment. Mm. The end result of this is there's going to be less value in residential. And I think it's already starting to happen. Like people can't just keep affording to pay more and more and sending yields to record low levels. They're going to look for alternatives. And uh, what's a nice, easy one? Commercial. And obviously, the share market there, like arguably, that's had a real good run since, you know, it's gone up. It's up about 30%, the ASX from March last year. So that's had a good run. So, I think commercial's got an important role to play, and uh, and that's why we're so vocal with it because we're a residential and commercial buyers agency. And I remember when I first started talking about commercial, it was just people were just not open to it, and mm. it was frustrating because. And this, this is the point of this podcast and the book. We don't mind if there's more people talking about this because if it's more available, you know, around the barbecue topic, you know, everyone talks about it it's better for the investors and you know it's better for everyone involved because you need both commercial and residential i think and mm-hmm. that's where uh, this has an important role to play so there's an opportunity and um yeah i think even things like the, the new zealand you've seen overnight that they're looking at sort of you know, you can't claim interest yeah have you seen that like yeah. it's like a yeah. negative gearing yeah, it's All the same away. thing, right? It's
1: And it yeah. goes to show what legislators can do. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to sort of make hay while the sun shines, right? There's yeah. nothing wrong with that as, exactly. a, as an adage. But uh, become financially free with commercial property investing. Rethink property investing, Scott O'Neill and Mina O'Neill. Thanks for putting this together, mate. I look forward to reading it. Uh, we just sort of did a quick sort of uh, synopsis on one section of the book. There's a lot more in here. Go and check it out, whether you get your books from bookshops or from the worldwide interweb no doubt being Wiley which a really good publisher is going to make sure this is easily accessible thanks for coming in mate that was a really good way for us to chat through a whole bunch of
0: themes yeah very good mate and uh, we'll uh, see you next time and look if anyone's got any particular topics you want us to talk about commercial like Mm. we um, just reach out to us on the Rethink Investing website or Facebook because we'd like I'm going to try bringing in some uh, clients in the next few upcoming episodes but yeah, if you want to know any specific about the market, just let us know and we'll, uh, we'll try and get into it. Sounds
1: good. Happy to answer questions, uh, do a Q&A episode as well. If you want to send that through, you can do that all through the Rethink Investing website. Uh, we'll be back again next time. Until then, bye-bye.